welcome to Beauties and Headcanons, where we're nerdy, and you probably are too. I'm Tegan, and I'm here today with Lindsay, and we're here to talk nerdy to you about remakes. Remakes, reboots, remasters, all that kinds of things. Now, we have technically done an episode on this kind of thing before, a couple years ago, I think. Um, but that was when we were with PHM, and that episode is no longer available, so if this title feels a little bit familiar to you, that's probably why. Um, and, I mean, the topic is still relevant because, you know, at the time we discussed uh, kind of a little bit more of, like, Ready Player One and Captain Marvel, since that was kind of the things that were out and available at the time, and we've had even more remakes and things come out recently and have been announced, so... We're just, we have more to talk about and talk about not only remakes, but what, you know, when a piece of media probably should be revisited and when we probably should leave it alone. And when, when certain companies, it, it seems like they're just kind of using nostalgia as a marketing ploy rather than actually adding anything meaningful to the piece of media. So that's going to be our little episode for today. What I think is funny about this is, you know, I uh, recently I've been listening to um, things like uh, crime, murder, uh, mystery podcasters and YouTubers who take a, a story and they take like comments from their, you know, from their comment section and um, decide that they're going to talk about uh, another murder or sometimes it's uh, mysteries that have been happening recently or in their area or across the uh, across the pond or whatever it happens to be and I sometimes listen to the same stories more than once by different uh, youtubers different podcasters different um, medias there's a couple of girls on YouTube right now who do their makeup uh, while they talk about uh, things that they've learned about a particular mystery mm -hmm. as well as or sometimes it's just a murder and it's just really awful and we already know who did it and that person's already in jail or dead or whatever um but they do their makeup or they um there's one gentleman who i love to listen to he does twice a week and he um just kind of has like a different spin on things he's irish he's wonderful it's but i wonder in the same route like why do i listen to the same stories over again <laughs> do they need to be rehashed because a lot of times they're not fun they're not fun stories to hear again the the details don't get better if you listen to them again by someone who's doing their makeup um and most of the time it's still an awful story so i feel like even in like that realm a remake rehash redo is an interesting thing because it doesn't make the details of of the crime better for someone to be doing their makeup while they're talking about it so why why am i watching them i why i still don't know <laughs> um i think some stories are just compelling and you know even if it is the same story sometimes a different person will tell it a little bit different way maybe from a little bit different perspective um i know that in particular like the one person I usually like go to and listen is Bailey Sarian. And I know she really tries mm -hmm. to center the victims more than the perpetrators. And I know I really appreciate that kind of point of view because that kind of story often isn't told and is kind of, is kind of just lost, you know, in the whole narrative. Yeah. We tend to have a fascination with the murderer and not the, the per not the victim. Um, it, it has always bothered me, uh, 
interested me in a sense where people will um, watch something about some horrible uh, criminal and there have been times in the media too where they've been like oh I can't believe that he's the murderer because he's uh, oh he's so good looking or oh they like send them letters and stuff in jail and I'm like ah, let them rot in there loser but I I understand that the fascination's there. I just, um, you're right though. Bailey Sarian really um, pays close attention to how respectful she is to the victims. And sometimes, you know, she'll laugh because it's like a, like a nervous, weird laugh. Yeah. She'll be like, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I'll be like, I know, Bailey. <laughs> you told me before. Um, but yeah, I mean, and her and um, I think I'm, I'm up to date on hers right now. And she's, She's doing a lot. She's doing a dark history podcast and a couple other things now, too. So I'm like always like, oh, what's ba- Bailey up to this? Week? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, being able to like uh, connect with the humanity of, of the people um, is both like important, but also um, what's the word? Um, kind of depressing in a way. I feel like yeah. there's not a whole lot different from some of those victims and myself. So mm-hmm. it kind of scares me sometimes as to like things that are not crimes of passion but are crimes of uh opportunity really freak me out Mm -hmm. i don't i don't like them and i hope that they never happen to anyone i know or love or myself because they're scary but i can't stop listening to people talk about them so it is what it is i suppose um anyway uh, back to the topic at hand um (laughs) i know that we we originally talked about um the different subjects that you had mentioned but recently there's been another remake of cinderella um that came out and i know we wanted to talk about that one so let's head that one off if we can yeah um you know a little bit more about the newest remake than i do so um, which isn't really that much more just a teensy bit more so i know when we originally did this like you know we had our whole like you know little kind of sort of series that we were doing like animated versus live action and Cinderella was I think the first one that we did uh, with the Disney remake or reboot or however they were doing that Um, and I remember we talked about in that particular episode how you know despite like some like little flaws here and there I appreciated the remake more because it didn't center Cinderella's story around the whole drive to get a prince, you know, whereas in the original animated version, you know, literally have her singing, oh, someday my prince will come, and the whole, like, you know, it, it her drive was more centered on finding someone, whereas in this remake, it, her drive was more like she just wanted to go to the ball and wear a pretty dress just because she thought it would be fun, and she happened to meet the prince before the ball and reconnected with him then, and, you know, it's kind of the thing that just happened when she was just out living her life, and I thought that was more important to tell, and that was a good, like, kind of, you know, upgrade to the story itself to add to it, and you know, with a little bit more of a modern twist where it's like, okay, well, you know, we're not centering this on her journey finding a prince. It's more on her just living and happening to find a prince while she's doing her thing, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, and so with this recent one, um, now I haven't seen it, and it's not by Disney. It is by Amazon, I think, if I remember correctly. So... You know, it's not by the same company. When I very first heard about it, I wasn't sure who was doing it. And I was like, 
is Disney really redoing this again? <laughs> we just had that. But no, it, it's by it's by another company entirely. Um, and I, I don't really know like what to think about it. I was honestly really turned off by what they did with the fairy godparent. Um, <sighs> You know, I mean, I, I understand, you know, Billy Porter is a is a queer person and they, you know, tried to advocate for this role and everything. But the thing is, is I don't really feel like their input was either used effectively or communicated effectively because it comes across as uh, the magical queer who has come to, you know, save this fashion. <laughs> you know, it's just the lines and, you know, like uh, the lines that were he that they had in the movie and the very little presence that Billy even had. It's like, mm, that this really seems off. Like, this seems like, you know, the stere- you're playing off this stereotypical gay friend where instead of this is a queer character who, you know, is fully developed and has their own motivations and own drive. You, you know what I mean? Like there sure. is like there is a difference between those two and it feels much more like the former than the latter. And I understand that Billy really wanted to do a, you know, showcase a lot with this role and I appreciate that they wanted to go in this direction, but it, it, it's you can really tell this is written by a cishet person or at least mm-hmm. by a person who is not familiar with trans folks or, you know, gender nonconforming folks who mm, we really should have had at least a consultant, if not a writer on for this, because again, this, this kind of screams like late nineties, early two thousands, uh, sex in the city, gay best friend kind of thing, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? So, you know, just seeing that, it really turned me off from it. Yes, and their I, intentions were good, but <laughs> really fell off, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, especially in that vein, I'm like, if you're not going to go all the way and commit to a complete redo of this whole thing, then what's really the point? You know, what is really the point? And I, that's kind of the point of this whole episode is, you know, what is the point of these remakes and what do they fulfill? So I... I always try and go back to like theater roots, right? Because mm-hmm. people in theater are always doing redoing and doing again something that's been done a million times before, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of things don't really uh, don't really compute to twenty twenties. Like it just doesn't work. Um, my uh, daughter was working on auditioning for Music Man, and I don't mm-hmm. know Music Man's not very. It hasn't aged well. Yeah. Um, so, like the main one of the main characters, uh, the, the music man actually comes into this uh, small Iowa town, and he's going. He basically swindles the entire town into thinking that he's a um, music professor who is going to keep their kids out of trouble by starting a band. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, instead of like getting into trouble, they'll be too busy uh, learning how to play their instruments and marching in a band to get into too much trouble. And in the meantime, there's this uh, librarian who also teaches piano who um, he, like, is trying to woo, and she's definitely not trying to be wooed. Um, But they eventually end up, uh, you know, together. And it's, you know, typical musical style. They, you know, it's like within a song that they realize that they're they're falling for each other and who really knows why or what or what happened. Um, 
in addition to like everything else that's going on in, in the musical but they end up together woohoo songs about you know wanting to be with someone who cares about us and not just uh, me and all this other goodness right mm-hmm. but that was in the 60s and it was set much earlier um, because they're all wearing Victorian-esque Iowa mm-hmm. uh, somewhere between like New England and Wild West clothing in it and uh, okay all right I can believe it for the time period yeah. <laughs> then there's um, the 1992 version by Disney that you can't even find anywhere. Apparently it's like blacklisted or something because you can't buy it. Um, it's not on Disney Plus and it's the one with Matthew Broderick and um, I'll remember her name as soon as I tell you that I don't know her name. Um, <laughs> anyway, she's amazing. Once I fig- remember her name, I'll let you know. But she um, is the, the main female character and they you can't find it anywhere people say that it was all right that it wasn't great but you know like we we rehash these things on on stages all around the the united states yearly so Mm -hmm. um i guess what i'm like trying to get out is uh, you know like we we revisit these things all the time and we try and try and try to make them uh like sound for high schoolers to put on Mm -hmm. um maybe even historically sound, especially with something like Newsies, right? Newsies Mm -hmm. has been um, on the stage and it was a a movie when like in 1992 or 1989 or something with Christian uh, Bale. And it was amazing. It was really, it was really fun to watch and it's fun to watch now, but some of the things that they say, some of the things they do, if you don't keep them in the historical context, they're going to not be PC. They're not going to, they don't age well. Yeah. And a lot of the things that they're rehashing nowadays didn't age well. You either have to, and especially with gender roles and um, things that aren't hetero, uh, if you are going to make them different, then you really got to go for it or don't touch it at all. Yeah. Um, we, I, I, I don't even know if I'm still on the same uh, plane as the rest of this, but um, uh she was also in a play this past summer, Grease, and there was a, a, a greaser who was a female. And um, they, it was actually the greaser who ends up with one of the pink ladies. And the way they did it was, like, super-duper subtle. It was real. It was real, real subtle. Like, her, her character didn't, you know, refer to themselves as, as a male or anything like that. She was clearly female, going after a female. Um... But that's not a thing that would have happened in the 60s. Yeah. Or that like, would have that been would showed. Have, yeah. That would have been real DL. So them dancing together at the prom or homecoming or whatever that was, was real not cool. So, like, how? what do you do with that? You know, like, do you, do you say, okay, they tried something, good for them, uh, but it definitely wouldn't have worked in this play. Like, the, who's... Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I was excited to see it on a stage in 2021, but then I got to thinking about the 1960s and how accurate that would have been. And it's a little, I don't know, so many of the things that we are are rehashing now have have some kind of, like, time period restraints. And those that don't, if you can transcribe it into something different and make a fairy godmother into a, uh, I guess they were calling Billy Porter... Gen- they were trying to make the fairy godmother genderless. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, like 
the the whole thing where you know a lot lot of our media that we consumed even like the ones that we consumed growing up just you know 20 30 years ago like even now it's not aged well you can look back at things from even 10 years ago and it's like ooh that's pretty cringe you know and you know so the idea of remaking something to update to the ideals of our current time period i don't think is necessarily a bad thing it's just how you go about it and how you execute it and i think the problem really comes in is when you try to be diverse and inclusive, but you don't actually include diverse uh, diversity in your writing staff, in your production staff, in your staff where you're brainstorming and coming up with ideas and everything. Because when you want to write diversely, but you aren't, you don't have people like Billy, people like me, you know, people of color on the staff, then you don't have that input from people who, you know, this is actually our lived experiences. And people who, you know, can immediately point out and say, hey, you know, this is kind of a problematic trope, you know, can we maybe change this? You know, because I'm sure when they were writing it and they were coming up with all of this stuff for this new fairy godparent, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, this is so cool and empowering. And you look at it and but somebody like me and my trans friends, we look at it and it's like, this is really cringe. This is just playing off of this, you know, queer best friend trope that is actually kind of hurtful to our community. So please know we don't like this. <laughs> you know, it's like if you want this input and if you want to change this, you need to have people on staff who are actually, you know, who will actually have the ability to stand up and have, you know, have the voice to be listened to when we say, mm, this isn't good, this isn't right, let's, let, let's retool this and let's redo it in a different way, you know? Right, right. No, and so like the last time we talked about this particular uh, topic, we talked about nostalgia and like the unethical marketing of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really know if this one fits so much as some of the things we did talk about and you're right it was about two years ago that we talked about mm -hmm. that um uh it was specifically about like um wanting to see things on fi on set or on film that were um parts of our childhood mm -hmm. um or wanting to see how they redo those things and i'll be honest like especially with like um some of the things that are on tv i i am kind of like looking for real like authentic things like captain marvel mm -hmm. had um block you know you they, they were in a blockbuster and there was a radio shack next door and um you know i grew up with those we i don't know what the heck we were doing in radio shack but <laughs> I, I went into one quite a few times um i knew where it was i knew it was next to the hallmark that was uh, next to the kmart and um the the styles and the, the the Nirvana shirts and stuff like that like that was all a very interesting um, detail for mm -hmm. me, um, but I remember that there was something real wrong with Captain Marvel that you really didn't like and I can't remember what it is. <laughs> um, I think it was that it just messed up the continuity of the MCU because oh, there really yes. there really wasn't a reason to set captain marvel in the 90s other than the nostalgia factor drawing people in because it because the thor movie the first thor movie had already established that that 
which I, I think that took was supposed to take place in like 2011-ish as far as like, you know, MCU timeline goes. And that was supposed to be the first time that S.H.I.E.L.D., including um, Nick Fury and uh, Phil Coulson, had encountered aliens. Mm-hmm. I.e. Yep, as Guardians. Yep, the continuity with, with but Captain Marvel for sure. then in the 90s, we have Captain Marvel, and, you know, even though she is technically human, they also meet, like, uh, Kree and Skrulls and things like that. So it's like, um, yeah, obviously the Asgardians were not the first aliens that they've encountered, so why... You know, it just it messes that up. And it's like, it clearly was some kind of grab to grab onto that nostalgia because really the nostalgia bits were the most interesting one, the most interesting bits for me to be able to see, you know, things like Radio Shack and Blockbuster and payphones and, you know, the styles and the music and everything like that. Like that obviously is really cool to see, but it doesn't really add anything to the movie and it wasn't really integral to the plot or the movie itself. It was just there as window dressing to, I think, dress, just draw people in and be, be, you know, make people think like, oh yeah, 90s. Because, I mean, you look at the age demographic, you know, and of people that, you know, they're trying to pull in and, you know, who are the people who are going to be buying the tickets for their kids, who are going to be, you know, going and buying the products and, you know, doing all of this stuff. It's people who have grown up in the 90s for people who recognize these things as being intimately familiar with their own childhood or, you know, young adulthood and their upbringing, like, you know, that's who they're appealing to. So, you know, I felt that it was just a little bit disingenuous to just set it in the 90s and appeal to this nostalgia while having no actual reason to set it in the 90s and even mess going so far as to mess up their own continuity just for this. So I think that's when right, it gets and- in. <laughs> so like that to me, like it just seems like a bit unethical to do that kind of thing because you're banking on the nostalgia drawing people in and not the story or the character itself. And at that point, I feel like they know it's not a strong character. They know the story they've written isn't that good. So they're banking on that to distract people from that. But, may- but maybe I'm just that cynical. I don't know. <laughs> It definitely seems like a theme, especially with Captain Marvel, too. There's a recent uh, installment of What If, I believe, where at the end of something going on, uh, Nick Fury ends up taking out the 90s pager, and I was like, oh, here we go Yeah. (laughs) And she shows up, and she's like, oh, what's the war? And I was like, oh, for crying out loud. I was like... It's that my eyes rolled back into my head at the end of that one. And I was like, okay, no, <laughs> you can't just show up at the end of everything when everybody else has done all the dirty work and call it because you were on the other end of the universe and it takes a while to get there. Like, no, honey, uh-uh. nope. I, I just, I just didn't, I wasn't there for it. I don't know how I feel about it. It'll be another episode when we talk about it. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how else has it, um, been happening recently in the past two years do you think uh jesus okay so we've we've had new disney stuff come out we've had especially with video games themselves we have had a lot more remakes and even just remasters coming out um i guess i can segue into gaming corner real quick (laughs) um because uh i mean it's not that late in the episode but i mean this is kind of relevant to things that are going on in the gaming world um as 
you know, as the technology progresses and as hardware improves, as software improves, you know, as the gaming engines improve, you know, there are some games that obviously we look back on with, you know, quite a bit of nostalgia and, you know, we'd like to see them updated, or at least some people would like to see them updated. Me personally, I'm not like as invested in it, but it can be interesting to see how it happens. So, um, just a very quick um, rundown of definitions, though. Um, I know the the terms like remake and remaster are kind of used a little bit interchangeably when talking about games, but normally remakes are a complete rehashing of a game. They not only are just a graphical update, they'll normally change things about the story. They'll completely overhaul gameplay. You know, it's basically essentially a brand new game. It just has a familiar setting and characters. Whereas a remaster is typically just graphical updates, uh, maybe a few gameplay improvements, but it's really not much more than that. It's still essentially the same game. It's basically just reskinned. So those are the things that uh, I think there was a little bit of confusion, especially when uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition was announced, because there were lots of people saying, yeah, it's a remake. And like, literally, I kept seeing like, people talking about that and I'm like no it, they've literally just said it's just graphical and a few gameplay things like that's a remaster that's not a remake and there's you know of course all sorts of you know, misinformation flying because people keep saying it's a remake it's a remake it's a remake no it's not a remake it's a remaster and I mean that's fine but you know just I feel like certain gamers get themselves hyped up for one certain thing, and then when that thing isn't delivered, then they're really disappointed. And so I'm, I'm all about, you know, managing expectations. So I'm like, it's a remaster. It's not a remake. <laughs> Just, you know, go in there with that expectation. So um, an, an example of, like, a remake would be something like the Resident Evil remakes or... The Final Fantasy VII, where they've not only changed up the graphics, but they've changed up completely the gameplay. They've changed up some of the story elements, how that progresses, things like that. So, you know, when you compare something like Mass Effect Legendary Edition and, say, Resident Evil Nemesis Remake, you can clearly see that there are really big differences in how the game plays and in how it looks compared to the originals. Whereas, you know, say with the first Mass Effect, you can go through and I can play the exact same missions on both the regular and the legendary edition and the missions play exactly the same. It's, you know, all the expectations, all, you know, every single thing. It's all the same. Whereas you try to do that in Nemesis, mm -mm, that's not going to happen. You're going to, you're going to get your butt handed to you because that is not going to happen. Um, so yeah, as far as that goes, um, I think it can be interesting. It can be a bit of a cash grab, though, and I, I feel like I am a little leery of certain ones. Um, now, this year we have had announced the uh, a new Dead Space coming. As far as I've heard, it looks like it's a remaster. I haven't heard of anything majorly changing with the story. Um, and as far as I've seen, it looks like it's mostly going to be like graphical and maybe a few like combat uh, overhaul types of things, kind of almost similar to the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. So again, any Dead Space fans out there, please temper your expectations, know how to manage them. You know, there's likely not going to be huge, huge changes. It's probably 
more or less going to be a reskin and maybe some combat adjustments. But as far as I can see, that's it. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I unfortunately see a lot of times where fans will get really just hell-bent on certain things that they want to see in a remaster and they don't see them and they get really disappointed and it's like y'all like literally the game companies have said this one thing and that's it so you know i get it if it's there if it's a bait and switch situation but when a game company comes out and clearly says this is the product and you get hyped up for something that isn't that i'm sorry but that's on you <laughs> we need we need to we need to be aware and I think clear. And this can go for both games and also movies and TV series as applicable. Like, you know, when when they come out with something and if it's if it's not, as long as it's not an actual bait and switch situation, if they've said one thing and they deliver on that, I don't see how we can really be that disappointed when they've delivered on exactly what they've said. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. That that's just my little two cents on that kind of thing. <laughs> Okay. Um, anything else we had to make sure we talked about for this episode? Um, I do want to add on very briefly. Um, I know we kind of stopped doing the animated versus live series just because uh, I, I feel like the quality kind of dropped off and like I really wasn't invested or interested in doing a whole lot of them anymore. Right, right. No, and uh, I mean... I feel like we even sort of completely skirted the Mulan. Uh, yeah, from and the Lion the, King one. Yep. Uh, we. Uh, <clears throat> I watched the Lion King one. I don't remember having very strong opinions on it. And I loved Lion King growing up. Mm -hmm. um, but there was something that was just, it didn't come through from going yeah. from animated to live action yeah. with Lion King. I, I just, uh, something, something didn't feel right for me. And for Mulan, I, I almost feel like it was something I'd seen already. I don't, mm -hmm. I, I still haven't spent the money to, to pay to, to see Mulan. Um, is it available without Disney plus, uh, plus plus yet or not? I don't know. Um, I, not sure. I guess I didn't really have the, the motivation to find out. Yeah. And that kind of stinks because, you know, I, usually I'm all like, Oh yeah, let's, let's do the next one. Let's yeah watch the next thing. And, you know, we've we've talked quite a few times about the consumables and what we've got mm -hmm. out there that we could watch or listen to or see. And uh, I've got time if I make it for the things I want to make time for. I just you don't want to make time <laughs> for that one. And I, I haven't either. For, yeah, it, it you know, to be fair, you know, it, guys, if, if you think that we need to watch it because it offers something special that we haven't. Uh, seen yet let us know because we'd love to take your suggestions but it just hasn't happened yeah and I feel like um, I really love the idea of new media and new things to consume mm -hmm. um, but I'm often worried when it comes to books and stories and all kinds of different things because I, I worry about um, not liking them or mm -hmm. having felt like I wasted my time and especially um, recently, I've had this conundrum where I have been um, forgetting about books I've already read mm -hmm. or forgetting about horror movies I've already seen. And I'll get like 
20 minutes into it and I'll be like, oh, I- I've already seen this movie. <laughs> or I'll, uh, uh, it's been a long time, um, but this has been happening for quite some time where I'll be reading a book and I will like have five books I'm reading because none of them are really keeping my attention mm-hmm. um, as well as I'd like them to. I, I did want to briefly talk about Dune because I plan to make you uh, e- either watch the Dune movie or <laughs> read the Dune book or um, listen to me and Jason geek out about it. <laughs> um, but I read the book, which means I can now watch the movie and I can watch the the Children of Dune. Oh, I can't watch that yet, but the 1984 movie mm-hmm. and the movie that's coming out. Um, in I, it's either uh, I think it's the end of October maybe, mm-hmm. um, but I like keep saying to Jason that I'm worried about certain characters. Like I need them to be able to age up in the movie. Um, but then I found out that they're making two movies, so <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, just take out, make the next movie in a couple years, and then you don't have to age him <laughs> up two years. You can just have him be aged up two years. Fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, real excited to see how that's going to play out. Um, But simultaneously, it it takes a lot of my questions and worries away because, you know, they don't have a particular person cast or Mm -hmm. there's been no rumors about someone being cast. And the rumor is that they don't have someone cast for that. Well, if if it's not the end of the 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 book, then they don't need to have a person cast for that. If it's just going to be the first half of the book, then, yeah, sure, you're fine, guys. No problem. (laughs) (sighs) Frank Herbert would be fine with that. Uh, Yeah. All to make a buck, though, honestly. Yeah. I, I can't even... I'm excited, but I'm also, like, worried about how they're going to yeah. change the book, which is kind of, like, why I want it to be, like, a case study for you and I. Mm-hmm. I'll buy you the book and mail it to you and <laughs> you make, you, make you read it. Um, because it's it's so... I don't. I think you. I think you'd really love the world building. Have you read Dune yet? I have not. I have not. Oh. <laughs> When's your birthday, Tegan? It is May 10th. Oh, I missed it. Okay, well... <laughs> I can make this happen for you, I think. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, okay, so, yes. Dune has me worried about the whole nostalgia, though, too, because the the things that they did wrong in 1984, if they don't yeah. get them right now, then... But also, like, CGI and the things that they'll be able to do mm-hmm. is going to be really cool. Um, we also need to talk real briefly about another trailer that recently came out, um, Matrix. Yes. There's a new Matrix movie. Yes. I saw this the other day and I swear I about lost my shit because it was, it, oh, it just grabbed me from the very first few seconds. It immediately grabbed me and I'm like, yes, I am in this. I'm invested and I, you know, I try very hard not to get like too excited for things because, you know, sometimes that, you know, if it doesn't quite pan out the way you want it to, you know, obviously you can be a little disappointed. But uh, this makes me want to be excited for it because, I mean, obviously, we, you know, we have superb casting coming back and we have, you know, amazing writers on board. And, you know, just even the trailer itself is just chock full of Easter eggs and references and, you know, just really subtle little things. Like, I, I know, I know if there's not now, there will be YouTube videos that are like an hour long, just breaking down every little thing that we see in the trailer. I know it's going to happen if it hasn't happened yet. So I, I, I am ready for it. And, you know, it feels, it feels appropriate, I think, to have 
another Matrix movie after all this time, after the Wachowskis have transitioned and come out and everything like that. Like, this just, it feels very appropriate in, in as far as timing goes. So I'm hopeful, <laughs> you know, I, I, I am I am hopeful that it, it will be intriguing and interesting and good and satisfy my little, you know, fandom feelies that, you know, really just want this to be really good and not just entertaining, but also thought provoking as well. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. (laughs) I I thought Neo was dead. Well, see, and that's the whole thing. Like, it seems like it's playing on this whole thing of like regeneration and almost like a reincarnation almost where... Okay. You know, I don't know if it's like a situation where it's like that kind of situation or if it, I don't know yet. I don't know yet, but I am interested. That's probably the point. We're probably not supposed to know yet. Yeah. We're supposed to be so intrigued that we want to watch because. Exactly. That's really how they they get us, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, I don't know if this was so much talking about the uh, unethicalness of nostalgia so much as. Well, I did have a few more things to add Um, as far as like uh, nostalgia goes, you know, obviously, you know, the big companies out there in Hollywood, they're out to make a buck. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's what they do. They generate money to pay people to, you know, that's that's their whole purpose. You know, their purpose isn't necessarily art. It's just to make money. If they happen to make art on the way to making money, then cool. Fine. But that's not really their primary drive. And so I think when it comes to remakes and reboots and all that kind of thing, I think it's more of the fact that they're trying to play on the nostalgia that we feel towards a certain property to pull us in to that, to that movie, to that series, whatever it is. I feel like in a lot of cases they're relying on that more than actually doing a good job presenting a good story. <laughs> I mean, I could look at things like uh, the the Michael Bay movies with the Transformers and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where it's like you're clearly just advertising and trying to, you know, that there's so many product placements and you're, you're just trying to make money off of this. It's it's very obvious you know you're not doing this for the love of it you're not doing this because you think this is a cool take you're doing this because you know it will make you money because you know people will pay money to go see this um my husband and i were actually just talking like i think last week or the week before something like that where certain movies especially like certain marvel movies they obviously make money even if they're not necessarily like good movies by like you know just stance of like writing and uh directing things like that even if they're not solid movies in that aspect they still make money because they carry that marvel name they carry that marvel reputation so people will pay money to go see it even if it's not that good and you know obviously with that it's kind of a double-edged sword because marvel can do things where they're very interesting things story-wise and they can bring out characters from this whole library that they have that maybe not everybody knows about but at the same time they can also just rehash the same old same old stuff and people will still go see it you know so it kind of becomes a little bit of a dilemma as to what i want to see and what i want to support Mm -hmm. you know and i kind of 
I kind of mark it down to, is this adding something to this narrative that I think needs it? Is this, does this have any meaningful additions to this? Or is this just playing off of what I feel for this certain franchise? Um, I kind of like to go back as a comparison. I like to go back to the movie Ever After and its take on the Cinderella story because that was a really meaningful addition, I think, to the whole Mm -hmm. Cinderella narrative. It was a lot more empowering, a lot more feminist, and just a really good, solidly told story overall. So, you know, it kind of hits, I think, all of those buttons and checks all of those boxes for me personally where it adds that meaningfulness to the media and it still works within that same media, so it's still recognizable. So that, I think, gets into that unethical territory when we're really just playing off of this just because we know we can, because we know it's going to make money. And although I will say it doesn't always make that much money, especially with something like the uh, Cats um, thing that they had, I think it was a year or two ago, Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh. And, and I mean, I don't I don't know if you remember growing up but when they would have those advertisements for the Cats uh, performance um, on Broadway. That was just a very, very, very big deal <laughs> in the 90s, the 80s and 90s. And, you know, so I, you know, looking at like the previews for it, like obviously like I, I would think of those, you know, flashing back to the previews that I would see growing up. But it's like, mm, this obviously does not really measure up. <laughs> and I, I'm glad I didn't really go see it or support it or anything because from what I've heard, mm, not that good. Just a really cheap rehash to try to grab some money. Which, <sighs> unfortunately, I think is a lot of movies these days. You know, you don't really yeah, see I mean, a whole lot of like original didn't. stuff floating around out there because you know to do something original is a risk you know it's a risk Mm -hmm. that you know your audience is not going to connect with it whereas when you're working with a property people are already familiar with you know you already have that connection and you're working with that absolutely no that totally makes sense and I mean, I I know that they didn't, or I at least I heard that they didn't really make as much money as they had been hoping mm-hmm. for with, with that rehash of cats. I I heard really, not great reviews, pretty much all the time. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, another recent movie that um, I, I swear, when um, when uh, you know like we would watch youtube and stuff like this i swear we would see previews for this movie all the time so much so i got sick of it so much i was like i'm just gonna stop watching youtube because i I i'm just so sick of seeing this stupid preview for the movie snake eyes the uh Mm. gi joe movie or like based on the gi joe character snake eyes and i swear like it seemed like nobody would shut up about this movie and the budget, from what I heard, was anywhere from like eighty-eight to one hundred million, uh, for their budget, and so far their box office has made thirty-seven million. So obviously, <laughs> even trying to bank on nostalgia still isn't a sure shot for Hollywood because people clearly did not resonate well with this movie at all. That is, that is dreadful. <laughs> that that is terrible uh, box office. And now I don't know how international 
is going to affect that. Um, I'm not sure if those numbers are in just yet, but right now, ooh, it's not looking good, y'all. It's not looking good yeah. for snake eyes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anything else you can think of? You said you had two things you wanted to make sure you touched on. Uh, I think that was it, just the snake eyes okay. and that. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel bad because I don't think that if I saw a snake eyes advertisement or trailer i played it much more than the five seconds that youtube allows because Mm -hmm. uh i wasn't feeling it yeah um i feel like there's an awful lot that has to be done in the first five seconds and oh definitely if it's not there then it's not there (laughs) it's not there um to be fair though i mean there's plenty of of greatness that comes out of taking a risk and Mm -hmm. um not banking on what you know people have liked in the past and I almost feel better for those people who are able to um, run with something new because if it's entirely new and entirely original, um, people may say, oh, I, I get vibes from this, that, or the other thing with it, but it, it's refreshing to, mm-hmm. t- to hear something new, to watch something new um, that you haven't seen before. So, yeah. Well, with that being said, um, we'd love to hear what you guys want to, want to hear us talk about or... Um, complain about or um, complain with us or talk to us about something that um, really uh, stirs the fire in your belly. Um, It is a a new school year and so there's a whole bunch of new things happening and I I think that the whole nation's kind of excited for um, new things. So let us us know what new things you'd like to hear uh, uh, from us. And with that, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tegan. And thanks for getting nerdy with us today on Beauties and Headcanons.